Week 59 of the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. What a week, man. The country is slowly emerging from the lockdown. Not carefully, but they're emerging. And I get mentioned by Trump on Twitter. What was that about? Let's start the show. We are now the defenders of the stronghold of democracy and of equal opportunity. You and I as citizens have the obligation to shape the debates of our time, not only with the votes we cast, but with the voices we lift. The people are looking for honest answers, not easy answers. The very word secrecy is repugnant. Clear leadership. And we are as a people. Not false claims and evasiveness and politics as usual. Opposed to secret society. But ours was a nation of the vote. Not the bullet. And a secret procedure. As a people, we cannot afford to let any group of citizens or any individual citizens live or labor under conditions which are injurious to the commonwealth. Black, white, Latino, Asian, Native American, young, old, gay, straight, men, women, folks with disabilities, all pledging allegiance under the same proud flag to this big, bold country that we love. That's what I see. That's the America I know. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. There is nothing wrong with America that cannot be cured by what is right with America. Yeah, just that kind of week, America. Um, I mean, look, I, I've been talked about for my appearances on Fox a lot. I, I get I get trolled on Twitter primarily. Look, I mean, when you are a progressive that goes on Fox News, you tend to get trolled by people who watch Fox News. They don't they they don't like hearing alternative views. On Fox News, right? They think that that's their channel and that people with my opinion should go somewhere else. But I've been going on Fox News for 10 years. I have a great relationship with almost everybody there. Even when you see me yelling at somebody on TV, getting into a passionate debate. Uh, last night, I was in a passionate debate with Karl Rove. I, I have no ill will towards Karl Rove. We disagree. We get passionate. That's why we're good on TV. But it is it is a... It is an astonishing thing when the president of the United States calls you out for your appearances on Fox, dubbing me a Schumerite, which I a label I proudly wear. I think Schumerite is like kryptonite to ignorance. <laughs> How's that? I mean, or ignorant people. I mean, because he's clearly ignorant, and there are a lot of people who troll me on Twitter that don't see any truth to my argument, even when I spell it out. And it is amazing to me that the president of the United States, I look, I, I've worked in government politics um, most of my life. I don't don't really do it anymore. Uh, I talk about it, but I've been on TV for 10 years. Um, and the closest I've ever come to uh, any kind of presidential acknowledgement was Barack Obama followed the wrong Chris Hahn on Twitter a couple years ago. Okay, that that is absolutely true. I blame it on a guy who used to work for Obama, Sean Sweeney, and I think he was doing it as a joke on me. Uh, but uh, that's as close as I've ever come. And for the president of the United States to take some time out of his day during the middle of a pandemic where there are you know 100,000 people dead in this country, 40 million jobs lost in this country, and the president of the United States on a Thursday in the middle of the day 
will take time out of his day to tweet about me and Juan Williams and Donna Brazil. It makes no sense whatsoever. And and what else makes sense is that, and I had this conversation with a couple friends of mine. I, I went through three phases of this, right? When you first see it, you don't even realize that it's you he's talking about. And then I, I you know, I realized it was me. And, and my first stage was, oh my God. The first thing I said was, oh my God. Like I literally said that out loud. My wife was outside. I was inside. And I said, oh my God. My wife said, what happened? I said, Trump just tweeted about me. So at first I was like, wow, this is weird. Then I was a little afraid for a minute, right? I mean, just for a minute. I mean, the president of the United States, formerly the most powerful man in the free world, right? Maybe the most powerful man on the planet, tweeted something negative about you. And I had for a moment a feeling of dread in that, that, oh my God, I'm on the bad side of the president. And then I thought about it for a second and that went away. I'm not the first person he tweeted bad things about. And then I got annoyed that he didn't tag me because he's got 50 million followers and I've got, you know, 18,000 and it would have been nice to pick up some followers because I, you know, I know that the president has probably a good 10 to 15 to 20 million people that follow him like I do just to see what he's up to. They don't follow him because they love him. Now, he's got a lot of people follow him who they love him, but uh, they don't follow him because they, they... there are a lot of people like me who follow him because I just want to see what he's up to and I want to I want to troll him a little bit on Twitter. So I went through those phases and it just was astounding to me. Now, I got a lot of com- compliments from a lot of good people near Tandon who've been on the show who we're, we're all pulling for right now. She's battling COVID-19. So um, if you didn't see her post about it, uh, you know, please keep her in your thoughts. Um, she reached out. Uh, a bunch of other people reached out, you know, really got a lot of compliments about it from a lot of people and felt like I was in good company with Donna Brazil and Juan Williams, two people who I have a lot of respect for who also go into the belly of the beast and and fight the good fight. And, and look, and, and I, I take it, I wear it now as a badge of honor that I go there, I go on Fox and I do the right thing. I don't pull punches. I tell them the truth as I see it. And it comes from a progressive point of view, something they are not used to doing. And I don't compromise to try to get people to like me on Fox. That's what I'm here for. I'm trying to get you to like me on this podcast. And tell your friends, if you like me, if you like this podcast, please tell a friend. I always say it at the end of the podcast. And you know, studies have shown that most people don't listen to the entire podcast. But you're probably still listening right now. I'm at Christopher Hahn on Twitter. Tweet at me if you like this podcast. And please tell your friends. So there you go. I did it early. My age is like, get it in early. I never do. But it was astounding to me. Um, it was just an astounding moment, and I'm glad it happened. I mean, it, it was. It, I'm going to frame it. <laughs> I don't know what, to, what else to say. Uh, you know, he cut the tweet in half, and I was like right in the middle. It was like Schumerite Chris dot dot dot, and then it was Han dot 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 on the other tweet. But on his Facebook post, post it was all in one spot. So I'll probably frame that. But it is, uh, it is weird that we live in a world where the president of the United States could say something horrible. I mean, it wasn't horrible. I'm going to be honest. It wasn't horrible. Um, say something negative about you on Twitter. And you don't care. It's actually a badge of honor. It's actually a good thing. Maybe it helps my career. I mean, it restarted talks that were stalled with another major radio carrier. 
uh, that uh, looks like is now going to get done. So um, excited about that. Hopefully, uh, the next time I talk to you on this podcast, I'll have an announcement. I've been saying that for a couple of weeks, but I don't know. These negotiations are going slow, um, but you know, it's, it's, it is what it is. It's hard to negotiate when nobody, you can't really get in a room and iron things out. Everybody's sending things back and forth and you're, you're having conference calls. It's just a whole, a whole thing, but hopefully that gets worked out soon. But a lot of other things have happened this week. I mean, the president decided that in the middle of this pandemic, it was a good, good time to go golfing. Um, you know, he, he criticized Obama about playing golf and he's golfed more than Obama. He golfed more in his first two years than Obama did in eight years. And it costs this country a ridiculous amount of money every time he golfs. And he looks ridiculous golfing at this point. I, I don't know why he still does it. Uh, but, but forget about that for a minute. I, I'm tired of him politicizing wearing a mask. Joe Biden on Memorial Day uh, went and laid a reef at a veterans memorial and as he should and wore a mask. And people like Brit Hume and others say, well, this is why Donald Trump doesn't wear a mask. I mean, look, Joe Biden's trying to do the right thing, set an example, um, you know, show people that this is what you should do when you're out in public right now out of respect for each other. And we have a president of the United States who, against the advice of his medical advisors, has decided that wearing a mask is something liberal, okay, something that liberals should do. And it's a, a travesty that now this has become a political statement. You out, you're out walking. If you got a mask on, you see somebody without a mask, you pretty much know where they are politically. And it's disrespectful to each other for people not to do it. And, and you know, you've got good Republicans across this country, like the governor of North Dakota, who basically broke down telling people, look, this isn't a political statement. You don't want to bring this disease home to somebody who it will kill. You've got the governor of Ohio, Mike DeWine, who's been pretty spot on throughout this whole thing, you know, encouraging his constituents to wear a mask. And yet we have a president of the United States, you know, that just refuses to do it. It's, it's nonsense. By the way, I've got a great guest today. I don't know if I've mentioned this yet. Clay Aiken, former American Idol, that Clay Aiken is on. And then I'm going to have Sarah Burris as well. Uh, I, I had Sarah Burris on the radio show last week too, and I'm have Sarah here because uh, she's great and I love Raw Story. And I want to give her some time on the pod because she's she's awesome. And we talk a little bit about this whole Trump thing because it was she she was the first person I talked to about it, um, at least on the air. I don't think I talked to Clay about it because it happened Thursday night when I recorded that interview. So. Um, She's she's here too, so it's a pretty good pretty good lineup. Hopefully, you're going to enjoy that. But hopefully, you're doing well out there. Hopefully, you are wearing a mask when you're out in public. I look, I wear them when I run. I don't, but I don't go anywhere when I run that I can't be six feet from people. Um, but when I'm not running and I'm walking and I'm out there just doing my thing, I wear a mask. Um, it's just that simple. It's something you should do. If you can't avoid people, wear a mask. I don't live in the city, so it's easy for me to go out and go for a run and not and not be around people. But usually, like when I'm walking my dog on a on a path or uh, in a park, I'm, I'm you know I want to have a mask on, even if I don't see people when I get out of the car or when I walk down there. You want to have that mask ready to pop up in case you see people out of respect for them. 
you know, it's not trying to protect yourself. You're trying to protect them. We're trying to protect each other, right? And all these conservatives out there who claim to be Christians, who claim to want to help people, these Christian conservatives out there, to see the president of the United States making this an issue should lead you to leave the movement, should lead you to question your leaders who are encouraging you to still support a man who has no regard for the well-being of his citizens, who wants to divide us in the midst of this crisis. Here we are. We're in the middle of this profound crisis, the likes this country has not seen in over 100 years. And the president of the United States is still dividing his people, dividing them among masks, saying we need to open, be quicker than we should. People, you know, encouraging protesters to yell at the press. And, you know, I don't know if you saw that video. It made its way around last week about the protesters on Long Island yelling at the guy from News 12 Long Island. Now, look, most of you don't live on Long Island that listen to this podcast. I have grown up on Long Island and I've watched News 12. I have appeared on News 12. News 12 is as middle of the road local news as you get. And that reporter was going to cover an event on the island because they probably put out a press release that they were having the event. And for the President of the United States to encourage that kind of bad behavior, it's the President of the United States encouraging the worst behavior known to man. People just getting in this guy's face. He's trying to social distance. He's trying to respect them and they are disrespecting him. And the president says, these people love America. They don't love America. If you loved America, you would respect the freedom of the press. You would respect people doing that job. It's in the Constitution. It's the only profession, America, in the Constitution. Maybe it's time people respect it on both sides of the aisle. I know that progressives do. And look, look, I worked in government. I worked in politics at a very high level. And we had many fights with the press. Many times did I question, you know, what a reporter saw. uh, How did they get this out of that? Many a times was I frustrated with the press in my political career. Lots of times. Never wanted people to protest the press. Never wanted people to get in the face of the press during the pandemic and say, oh, don't worry, I'm on, a, I'm on, a, I'm on a, uh, hydroxychloroquine, you're okay. That's the behavior of this president and his supporters. How? Look, he's down 11 points to Biden. Okay? I don't think that's enough at this point. I think he should be down 30 points to Biden right now. How he's only down 11 is beyond me. I don't feel comfortable. I won't feel comfortable. Biden's mistake last week you know, look, it pales in comparison to the numerous racial things that the president's done, including the day before with his bloodline comment at the Ford plant. But you give them something to seize on, they'll seize on it. Trump's racism and xenophobia is baked into the cake already. His supporters are already there. His entire campaign, America, the president, Trump's entire campaign is to suppress the vote, is to keep people from voting, is to give progressives reasons not to vote so joe don't do it don't give progressives reasons not to vote give them reasons to vote get them out and they look there's plenty of reasons to vote because this guy's a maniac and it's time for him to go all right i got a great great lineup of guests i'm gonna play those interviews for you then i'll be back to wrap up the show before I do, I want to remind you that this show is brought to you by Warby Parker. Friends of the pocket, go to warbyparkertrial.com slash Han to get a five five pair 
five days in-home trial. You go on their website, you check things out, see what you like. If you like something, you, you click on it. They send you up to five pairs with your prescriptions and you try them on at home. Try them on with your suits, your ties, your jackets, your casual wear, whatever you're doing, whatever you want. Have your friends and family take a look at it. You could trust the mirrors in your house. They're not mirrors in a department store. And for every pair you buy, they will donate a pair to someone in need. So go to warbyparkertrial.com slash Han for this special offer. All right, I'll be right back with Clay Aiken. Ladies and gentlemen, I got a great guest for you right now. You first met him 17 years ago uh, as a finalist on American Idol Season 2. Uh, I think America fell in love with this man's voice, uh, and now he has made a complete journey to my side of the world, political punditry, uh, having run for Congress. Clay Aiken, he comes from North Carolina. How are you holding up through this crisis, Mr. Aiken? I am just as crazy as usual. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm doing okay. I mean, I, I'm a homebody anyway, so uh, it wasn't it wasn't that big a difference difficulty for me initially but i'm kind of once they tell you you have to stay inside it yeah. changes things right <laughs> and you're holed up down in north carolina now right yeah i'm in raleigh that's awesome and, and now are they opening up yet or are they starting you starting to feel that pressure we've been um uh, we've got a governor who i think has tried his best to take it as make it as responsible as possible um in an election year for him which he's going to have a close <laughs> yeah, I mean, North Carolina is as purple he's as really they get, right? The needle, right? He's threading the needle. Um, we are moving, I believe, to phase two of the plan tomorrow evening. So Friday, tomorrow night after five, we move to salons being allowed to open with a lot of restrictions. And, um, and you know, the weird thing is when I talk to anybody about this, because obviously I talk to people all over the country myself, and it's strange when I use words like phase two or phase one, because they mean completely different things to everyone in every different state. And so I have to kind of break it down and say, no, we're going to phase two, but in our phase two, we are allowed to do this, but we're not allowed to do this, right. which is different from your state. So, right. But I think, I think that, you know, we, every state around us has opened up um, pretty much. Well, Virginia actually has not, but every state around us to the south and to the west has opened up long before we did. So um, they're taking it slow, and I think that it's paying off. North Carolina's very low on the list of states with um, with number of cases, et cetera. So uh, knock on wood, hopefully it'll stay. Yeah. Well, other, other than your podcast, how the heck are we going to get along, which is available on iHeartRadio podcast and wherever you get your podcast, just like my podcast, uh, which yeah. I've done, actually. I've been a guest on your podcast. Uh, what are you doing to pass the time right now? I'm watching. Well, you know what? I would, I would say I'm watching a lot of TV, but I'm kind of giving up on that, too. I've turned the news off. Off. Okay. Off. off. <laughs> you could just follow me on Twitter at Christopher Hunt and then just see when I'm on and then yes, pop so it on. I do get I get my news now from people who send me tweets from different people about what's going on. That's really what text me tweets. Nice. Because I don't do Twitter either. But um, the very well. I am. Um, I'm, I'm really I'm renovating a house right now. I bought a house in North Carolina just to kind of have it when I'm away, when I'm here instead of in New York. And uh, it needed a lot of a lot of work. And so that was supposed to be a kind of a fun project while I was down here. But now I'm stuck in it for months. <laughs> so I'm really uh, kind of over that. I'm being lazy. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm just being lazy. <laughs> I, I tell you, man, I, I, uh, I've been walking my dog a lot, uh, doing some projects around the house. My wife now wants to build an outdoor kitchen, which is 
you know, I think that's a bridge. Well, get too. on it. You got I think time. that's a bridge too far. I can't do that. That's just not me. I mean, Listen, I have good. learned you can learn anything on YouTube. I, yeah. You would be amazed. I, I am so blessed now. When this doing whole all this work in this house after watching YouTube. When this whole thing started, my daughter's bathroom broke. The toilet broke, and I replaced almost everything in the toilet watching a YouTube video. It was crazy. I was like, "Wow, I can't it, believe I did this." Yes, <laughs> it's impressive what you can learn. I mean, I have. I have rewired things. I've ripped out the deck. I have completely ripped apart and torn and rebuilt vanities in the bathroom. I'm, I mean, I am, like I said, I am butch now. Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, see that? America <laughs> is learning new things about Clay Aiken right here. So, hey, you know, I wanted to just talk to you uh, briefly before we really get into politics about your journey. I mean, you were this singing sensation. America, you know, got to know you on American Idol. You have this incredible singing voice. And then, you know, a couple of years after that, you decided to run for Congress. You, you'd done a tour, you'd done an album, uh, and, and you decided to get active politically. I, I would really like to understand and have my listeners understand how that transition occurred for you. Um, well, it's very sweet of you to say a little bit after Idol, because it actually was 11 years later. But I just look so baby-faced still. That's probably why. You look exactly that, the so. same. When I, 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 you know, when I met you in Tennessee, <laughs> the only thing pounds. that struck me about you is how tall you were. I was like, I can't <laughs> believe how tall you are. <laughs> so I compared, my entire life has been, my entire, all my success in pretty much everything I've done in the last 17 years has been based on expectations people have. <laughs> That's right. People have very low expectations for me, so I can, it's easier to exceed them. Ruben's six foot four. <laughs> so I look short, but I'm six foot one. So it's surprising to people. Yeah. yeah. But um, I, I was always sort of, you know, Idol, when I was on Idol, this was many years ago. I mean, again, I think I told you 17 years to the day. Wow. Today, wow. Since our finale. Um, and I just, you know, I was always, that was never necessarily what I thought was going to be a, a big deal. The season before Ruben and I were on it was Kelly Clarkson's season. The ratings were, I think, nine million viewers that yep. year for Fox, which in, in the early, which today would be incredible, but in the early 2000s was just sort of okay. So it was just a decent show and right. I thought I'd do it for fun. And nobody who auditioned in season two had any idea of what was going to happen. You know, if you right. went into season one, you didn't know it was a big deal and it wasn't necessarily a big deal season one. Well, they we made a movie, season, the two of them, Kelly Clarkson. Well, they did, but right. did you see it? Did you? Okay. No, I so, did not see it. <laughs> I saw the poster. I walked by the poster. Beyond, I walked by the every, poster. <laughs> well, that's about what that's, that's about. You got the plot then. Yes. Um, <laughs> every season beyond, th season three and beyond, they went in knowing this is a big show. Yeah. Season two, we went in kind of thinking, I mean, I really, I took a few days out off to go down and audition and uh, assumed that it was just going to, you know, take, take a few weeks out of my time and then I'd be right back to teaching school and whatnot. Oh, and you were a teacher it, it, before American Idol. I didn't know I that. Went to, I went to school to be a special ed teacher and I worked in a classroom for kids with third through fifth graders with autism. Oh, yeah. wow. Awesome. Um, and so I just thought that's what I was going to do. And the show really exploded in the same year that Ruben and I were on. And so I always had, I mean, I'd always been a political junkie before I did Idol, and Idol was actually more of a detour for me than politics right. <laughs> was in huh. 2014. So by 20, by 2012, 20, 2012, 2013, I had been I had been living back in North Carolina and really, you know, actively paying attention to what happened in the political world. And I just started seeing in that period of time that the some of the districts after 2010 in North Carolina had been redrawn. Yeah. Not a new thing in 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 this country, but in North Carolina, they had been redrawn for the first time by one party 
to be very red. It oh, yeah. They were completely gerrymandered. It was horrible. Totally. I mean, and North Carolina had always had seven to six in our congressional dis- uh, uh, delegation. And all of a sudden, we went from seven and six to 10 and three yeah. in North Carolina. And I noticed that one person who won a seat uh, in the second district in North Carolina had won it sort of accidentally. Her her uh, opponent had done some had kind of got got caught doing something stupid, and so she won. Right. And then immediately after she won, they gerrymandered her safe, and she stopped responding to things. And wow. she just sort of disappeared. Wow. And she refused to acknowledge her opponent in 2012. Wow. He tried to debate her. He tried to, and I just thought, you know what? Damn it! Try to ignore me. I mean, right. I mean, you're a national celebrity, and you you got it a lot of you got a lot joke. of press, right. right? Yeah. And I told some friends, I told some friends that you know just. I should run against her just so she has no, so she can't avoid it, so she can't ignore it. Right. And eventually, people sort of pushed me into it, and I, I, it, it, I won't say they pushed me into it, but as I started looking into it and realizing how important it was to me, I just don't like. I don't know if I can say BS here. If I can say the whole, you can say, say BS. It's good. I don't. I don't like BS, and I don't always agree with my party. I don't certainly don't agree with the Republicans all right. the time. But I know that my party plays some crappy games too, and I just don't like the games. Right. And I thought, you know what? No game playing. If you really want, to, if you if you're going to run and you're going to have this seat, then you're going to have to at least show up and answer. You were living in a district that had an incumbent that got that had her seat gerrymandered to the point where she didn't have to pay attention to the people anymore. And by the way, that's happening far too often in far too many districts around this country. It's the biggest problem in this country right now, I think. Gerrymandering is why we're in this mess we're in right now. Um, that's the answer to your show. <laughs> and gerrymandering yeah. will get along. Um, and, and you decided to say, hey, she can't ignore me. I'm a national figure. I'm, a, I'm an American idol, damn it. And you're going to listen. You're well, gonna- I mean, I just knew that, I knew that she would have to, she'd have a really hard time at least not agreeing to debate, you know? Right. <laughs> and so, and, and, and also, I also happen to know that I was a hell of a lot smarter than anybody realized. So yeah. I thought she'll probably be happy to, to debate me just because she'll think it'll be easy. And she did. She ended up, I mean, John Stewart ended up making fun of her on his, uh, yeah. he was still doing the daily show at the time, made fun of her because she said, this Obama Aiken economy is just killing us all. The Obama Aiken economy. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's <laughs> Which I awesome. I wish I could take credit for. I you. know, right? Oh, there he is. I love it. I, I think we would kill for the Obama Aiken economy <laughs> right. right now, don't you think? I mean, I think we'd all want we'd sign up on the dime for that. Uh, so, so I so I just did it to, to kind of make sure that people she had to people paid attention to what she was doing, whether you agreed with me or not. You should at least see this ain't the one for you, you know. And and I kind of I mean she she beat me by almost as much as Obama lost in that district in 2012. Right. Um. So it wasn't surprising. Um. I think I I think I got did one percentage point better than Obama. Had done. Right. So right. it wasn't it wasn't big big difference, but. Immediately following the election in November, before that calendar year was out, that December, she drew primary opponents for her next round. That's great. Republicans, even though they didn't like me and wouldn't vote for me, they realized, well, she ain't the one. Right. So she ended up drawing primary opponents and she lost her next primary. Well, there you go. She's no longer employed in that fashion. Well, this seems to me like I've, we found your cause, right? I mean, you're, you're doing this podcast about how we can get along. It's clearly gerrymandering is the problem. In this It's literally yeah. the problem. Gerrymandering in the United States Senate. I would 
you know, I worked in the Senate. I've got to say, I got to call you. I have never heard anybody pronounce it that way. All right. You know why I pronounce it that way, Clay? Because my wife is a direct descendant of Elbridge Gary. And that's how you, that's how you you pronounce it. It's actually gerrymandering. It's not gerrymandering. I didn't tell you 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 were wrong. I'm very careful about that. I said I have never heard anybody say it that way. That interesting that that you actually have the historical context. I'll have, I'll probably have a hard time fixing it. (laughs) It's good to know that there is, it is, that's the way it's said. Interesting. Elbridge Gary. Gary was the first governor of the state of Massachusetts, and he was right. the first person to employ gerrymandering. But back in the day, oh, you didn't have TV news. You just read it in the paper. People right. called it Jerry because that's how it's spelt. So, and he didn't have the computer. And he didn't have the computers. No, that uh, that they have nowadays, which is which is really what makes it even more dangerous because they're able to really get down the to micro the target. micro yeah. level. And yeah. actually, the district that I was in and in in. 2014 if you look at it it almost looked like two chunks that aren't attached right they they attached at a corner and it actually was a place where the district crossed over a body of water a river it's it's difficult to explain but it looked like complete two completely separate sections which of course is not legal you can't do that so they were able to keep it contiguous by one little half a meter sliver of, of land over, Crazy. over a body of water Crazy. to keep it contiguous. They're very, very artistic. This is the thing you should be involved with. I mean, you should reach out to Eric Holder. He's got this whole uh, this whole fair districting plan that he's trying to push through and going around the country trying to work on that because here, you know, redistricting is next year, right? Yes, but it's not sexy and people don't vote for it, which I wish they did. Well, yeah, but if I there's an the American... problems in this country if there's an if there's an American, <laughs> yeah, but if there's an American idol pushing it, it gets a little sexier. I'm sorry, Clay. Yeah, I mean, well, if they've got Obama pushing it, he's doing. I think Obama beats me when it comes to name recognition. But I mean, I'm not. I'm not opposed to helping. But I will say that I think that one of the reasons that we have. You're absolutely right. That gerrymandering, gerrymandering. However, um, you want to. You yes. say it correctly. I'll you could call it, it gerrymandering. Um, <laughs> and and uh, and money and politics, which we all know, everyone hates. Yeah. And if you look at those two things on the surface. They are things that everyone hates, but we cannot get anyone to vote on them. Right. And I think that I think that the the strategic way is the way that Eric Holder is handling it. It's not necessarily going to be about trying to convince anyone to vote for those who will change the laws against gerrymandering. Right. It's going to be about making sure that you elect the correct people in those local elections or those districts, those state house districts. You know, North Carolina has is putting up a, a heck of a fight this year. We fortunately have had some Supreme Court cases and North Carolina Supreme Court cases that have thrown out both our um, congressional map congressional and, your state map. Yeah. and our state map. And so uh, actually the, the congressional maps this time around, huh, I mean, they ain't great still, but they're a lot better than they were. And North right. Carolina will, the Democrats are going to pick up two more blue seats um, from North Carolina. We're going to go from Ten and three to you know whatever five. And, and I think the I governor, think the governor of North Carolina, has got a fighting chance to, to hang on. And if he does, oh, then I think he, he gets a, he gets a say in the I mean, map. That's great. No, he doesn't get a say in the map. That's what makes North Carolina tough. Is that North Carolina's governor does not get any oh, power over districting. So I it's all that. completely state, the state house and the state senate. So right now, smartly, I think North Carolina. Um, politicians and activists and people who are on the ground are really gunning to try to win just one of the um, houses in the General Assembly. Got it. Because as long as we own one, as long as we have control of one of the bodies, then they'll have to come to the table. And interestingly enough, you know, North Carolina Republicans really made some sloppy errors 
one of our House reps who was in charge of redistricting straight up specifically said, on the record, I want to draw these maps so that we have 10 Republicans and and three Democrats, because I don't think we can do it with 11 Republicans and two Democrats. So this is, I mean, they've been very obvious about what they're doing. And I think they've realized that they're not going to win any any court cases on it, and they've sort of just sort of thrown their hands up. And I think smartly, if they are smart, which I don't, which I question sometimes, they'll look and they'll say, listen, come 2020, the best, smartest thing for us to do here is going to be to have some sort of nonpartisan commission that does this. Because the truth is, Democrats did this to Republicans in the state of North Carolina for 100 years. Yeah. Prior to 2010, Democrats had control of both houses of the General Assembly, and we gerrymandered those districts also to make sure that... Now, we didn't do it as as badly, I think, as they did, or or as well as they did. We weren't as blatant, but we did it too, and we can't pretend we didn't. So hopefully Republicans and Democrats will say, listen, we've both screwed each other. Let's come to the table and and let this be... You know what? I wish that that was going to happen, but you know it's not, my man. Uh, Well, I mean, as as a North Carolinian, I'm crossing my fingers that the state house will end up being taken control of by Democrats this time around. Well, let's hope it may stay in the Republican. If it's split, if it's split one house, one house, then, you know, there's a fighting chance for fair districts. All right, Clay, I'm running out of time with you. I told you this was going to go fast. I I talk too much. What can we plug here? We got uh, the podcast on iHeartRadio and Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. It's called How the Heck Are We Going to Get Along? Clay Aiken is the host of that podcast. You got anything else coming up? Feisty. No, that's what that is. I tell you what, after we, we taped that podcast on Wednesday night, I need a week to recoup. Yeah. <laughs> from you it. need a week to do all your house projects that you got going on with this house you're building down there in, uh, in North Carolina. Well, Clay Aiken, a pleasure to have you. Keep up the good work you're doing. You. Check out his like podcast, How the Heck Are We Going to Get Along? He's at Clay Aiken on Twitter. I'm following him. I'll tweet him out. All right, stay right there. I'll be right back with Sarah Burris. Joining me right now, somebody who knows a lot about media, somebody who's been on this show many times, and uh, the raw story follows a lot of the craziness that goes on in media. Sarah Burris is an editor and a reporter at Raw Story. Sarah, how are you doing? Hello from quarantine. I know. You're quarantining in Oklahoma, from what I understand. I am. I am, although my parents are trying to drive me to Florida, um, which seems really dangerous. Yeah. 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 Really. They, they had a twelve hundred. They had twelve hundred cases today. Uh, their highest since April, and now they're open. <laughs> so that just seems like a really, really stupid idea. But what do I know? I'm not the governor. Do, do your parents have a place in Florida? No, we were supposed to do a big family brouhaha on Turks and Caicos Island, and Turks is actually closed down. Um, and they announced. I think it was yesterday. They said they're probably not going to reopen until September. Wow. They've had six cases. That, wow. Six and cases in their shutdown. Well, they don't want people coming there. That's the thing, exactly. right? Exactly. That's the thing. The only cases that they have that they um, that they have are all connected to the United States. Wow. Wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. So I bet you the regular people in Turks and Caicos, the citizens of Turks and Caicos, they're free to do whatever they want. They just don't want to have cruise ships and airplanes going there. Exactly. But I mean, we have so many friends there that are not, you know, they call them belongers, people who grow up there. Um, We have friends who are, you know, retirees and Canadians and and folks who, you know, now they're stuck there and their businesses are just dying. Wow. So it breaks my heart. It's like, man, I could be I could be scuba diving with some of our friends or I could be, you know, at some of our favorite bars and stuff. Yeah. I mean, 
if only I could be quarantining on the island. So you've spent, seems like you've spent a lot of time in Turks and Caicos. I've never been there. (laughs) It's amazing. My parents actually went for their honeymoon and they fell in love with it before it became like a big deal. And then they became divers and then they decided that they were going to make me into a diver. And then, so now we go to Turks and we dive as a big family. Wow. Wow. Well, the last thing you think of, of people from Oklahoma is, you know, they're really into diving. (laughs) It's like, right. I just, and I know that my mom, at some point, she's trying to figure out how she can buy a house on an island and, and get the hell out. I think of Oklahoma, I think of corn as high as an elephant's eye. That's what I think of, okay? I'm st- Which is really funny, because there is not that much corn in Oklahoma. I mean, there's definitely some, but there's a hell of a lot more wheat and, and ranching in the in the country, or in the state. Uh, in fact, all the, um, the beef that everybody is going to you know, is missing out on because there's meat shortages. Like we're good. We got all the steaks we want. Wow. That's awesome. Well, I'm glad you, I'm glad you're well fed while you're in quarantine. I mean, we are too. I mean, I'm gaining weight in quarantine. Who am I kidding? I'm doing 25,000 steps a day and I'm gaining weight. I don't know how that happens, but it's kind of crazy. So, okay, Sarah, you know, (laughs) I booked you before Donald Trump tweeted at me. Okay. I, this was, this was booked like last week we were talking. I was like, Hey, you want to come on the show next week? And, uh, and then I get this, like tweet today. First of all, when I looked at it, I fell off my chair. I didn't know what the, what was going on here. Now you've seen him tweet at people before. Um, what's up with this guy tweeting at like like why? Because I'm a pundit on TV. He's gonna say something. He's president I, of the United States in a quarantine. We're in a crisis. I do think that that's exactly what it is. I think he's seen you on TV. I think that he is threatened by um, the fact that you have answers and that you can really slap down some of these poorly constructed talking points yeah. that they have come up with that are clearly not working. And and that is, I think that's got to be scary for him. You know, like he's seen these poll numbers. He's had his freak out with Brad Tarskow. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he, there are two polls in the last 24 hours that are strikingly similar. I mean, the Fox News poll that came out like two hours ago has him down eight to Biden, but has his number at 40. And the, uh, the Quinnipiac poll that came out two days ago had his number at 39. That means his numbers probably thirty nine between thirty nine and forty. That's a bad number. It's a horrible number. And you know, for a while, I've been seeing some of these polls that are, uh, you know, that have the horse race pretty tight, and it's a margin of error of like plus or minus four. And I've just been rolling my eyes, being like, "This is a waste of my time." Kind of a poll because when your margin of error is that much, when they're that close, it doesn't mean anything. But yeah. when you've got eight to ten points. Yeah. When you've got like two days in a row. Two days in a row. Yeah. Yeah. That's just like, that's the ball game. Arizona and Florida are looking like they're dead to him. Florida. Like crazy Florida. Like, look, if the the case count keeps going up in Florida, uh, the president's going to lose Florida by 10 points. Okay. I mean, this is because this is a Trumpian style reopening in Florida. Like, we don't care. We're going to open. And you know, they're not testing enough. So the fact that they've got more, more cases today than they did in April um, should, should be a surprise to everybody because they're not testing as much as they did last month. So it's, they're not, I was going to say they're not testing as much. And, uh, in some cases they're not even reporting it until way later. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I, I think one of the things that Joe Biden is really strong at is grandmothers love him. Yes. And they do. Uh, and they, right, and, and grandmothers know that Joe Biden doesn't want him, doesn't want to kill them. <laughs> yeah. Like, Joe Biden's going to save your grandma. Right. Um, and and Trump is going to, you know, not care. And I think that p- 
people really understand that. People get that. And now it's like, you know, this is just an experiment at first. And now it's like, oh, crap, it's real. Yeah. It just got real, real fast. Yeah. Yeah. It's insanity. It's complete and total insanity. And the way it's been covered, um, you know, the way it's been covered, I think even in the media, it doesn't even show the full extent of his true incompetence at managing this crisis. Just the, the, you know, the fact that the entire month of February, he was fully aware of what was going on, was downplaying it, not preparing for it, wishing it away. I mean, that should be, you know, we should be talking about what happened on what days uh, in February that could have been done to stop it. I mean, you look at Germany, they're reopening. They only had a 0.7% increase in unemployment compared to our 11% increase in unemployment. It's probably going to be 15, 25% by the time it's all over. Uh, it's, it's just amazing. You know, this is what uh, uh, the Columbia study that came out, uh, I think it was yesterday, was talking about um, that, you know, not not just February, but half of March he yeah. blew off, too. And so if he had made uh, if he had made a decision to shut things down earlier in March, you know, just by March 6th, then then we would have uh, 36,000 fewer people that died. Yeah, he had done it two weeks earlier. Uh, then it would have been, you know, toward the like the first of March or end of February. Then we're looking at fifty thousand lives. By, that would be by safe. the way, and we'd be open right now. This country would be yeah. back on a path to reopening, like Germany is. We would have shut down for most of the winter, most of the spring. We would have opened up by May. We would be, you know, having baseball games again. All right, all right. I couldn't find a smooth transition to part two of my interview with Sarah Burris, so here it is. Christopher Hahn on Twitter or Christopher Hahn and why? on Instagram if you want to see my tie that I'm wearing. That's a, I started out as a joke because Instagram wouldn't verify me. So I just tweeted out the tie I was wearing on television, Sarah, and they still don't verify me. I'm still back with Sarah Burris. That's, if anybody was wondering why I tweet out my ties, it's like my thing. I tweet, I, I tweet out a picture of my tie, but I also Instagram a picture of my tie because I was like tweeting on Instagram. I go, hey, this tie is going to be on television in like 10 minutes. And I'm wearing it. I asked you to verify me. Can you verify me? There's like 7,000 people named Chris Hahn on this planet. By the way, Barack Obama following the wrong Chris Hahn. And I think Sean Sweeney did that to me. And that's a story for another day. <laughs> Sean Sweeney's a friend of mine who worked for Barack Obama. Oh my God, that's <laughs> so, so anyway, I divert. I digress. <laughs> Something tells me that Barack Obama doesn't spend a whole lot of time on Instagram. I don't know. I mean, no, I have a Kardashian thing. But... I don't think he spends any time on Instagram. Uh, and I don't think he spends any time on Twitter either. And uh, but he is there is a Chris Hahn that follows me that I follow who gets a lot of my hate tweets. And oh, um, poor guy. Yeah, poor guy. And one day he's like, you know, sometimes it's hard having the same name as you. And I, I looked at his uh, some of the tweets that were sent to him. And I look at it, it says, followed by Barack Obama. And I go, dude, Barack Obama's following you because he thinks you're me. So stop. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he was like, oh, my God, I didn't even know. He didn't even know. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. So, so Sarah, let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about how, uh, you know, how you think the press should be handling this man at this point. I mean, he goes to Michigan to tour a car plant, completely blows off their mask mask rules, mask rules that his own CDC have suggested. By the way, um, you know, how is the media being too nice to him? 
I think to some extent the the press pool is being too nice to him, but I don't know that they necessarily have a choice. Um, if they if they press him more than they already do, he's going to kick them out of the White House, and then it's going to end up being a lawsuit, just like what happened with with Acosta, right? And and it just becomes a big thing. And I know that reporters, you know, the tried and true standard reporters, their rule is that they don't want to be the story. Right. And if they push him and they become the story, then they're not, they don't feel like they're doing their job. Right. And I respect that about them. Um, you know, people are really honestly just trying to get an answer out of him. However garbled and nonsensical the answer happens to be. Um, I think that the hosts, like the folks who've been doing their shows on, on CNN, MSNBC, they're giving him the right amount of criticism for, you know, I think uh, not just being um, really bad at this crisis, but having no empathy, you know, having like just being even whenever he talks about, um, you know, this terrible virus, this this catastrophe, like he uses the words and then he just pivots to attacking China. Right. Like, can you just maybe stay on the idea of 50,000 you know, people having died in the first part of the year, these are these are not just numbers. Like, do you get that these are actual human beings? You know, you claim that you're all this, this, this pro-life um, mob of people, and yet, you know, with the yeah. way that we talk about these lives, it's so careful. It's like it doesn't even matter, right? It's like we, we casually accept their death. People who lived their, you know, full lives, some, in, in, you know, in many cases fought for this country, uh, did the, 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 the hard work of, of running this country for years and they're dead or they're sick and dying. And we just talk about it like, oh, well, they're, they're over 60, so their time's up, you know. Meanwhile, the president of the United States is living in a testing bubble, right? Yeah. He's living in a testing bubble telling everybody that testing's overrated. Well, why doesn't he stop? Yeah, a lot of the, the decisions that the White House is making, you kind of just want to be like, you first. Yeah. You know, if you want to you want to do all of these things get out there you know go hold a trump rally let me know how that works out yeah for you. go hold go be it's typhoid trump and and nobody you know it is it is it is very frustrating I mean, i'm I'm also really frustrated by like the chuck todds of the world and the other sunday show anchors who just kind of let the administration come on and just lie and yeah. and i see them try to fact check them sometimes in real time but i just don't think it's an, i think that the administration should be taped I don't think that they should be allowed to go on live because they are just liars. And people should say, you know, we're yeah. pre-taping the show now because of the quarantine. And I would say, too, there's a real responsibility for the producers in the booth writing the cryons because they have a really great option where they can sit there and just be like, Trump falsely says whatever, right? Right. There's a, there's a moment where if your host is not, you know, with it enough, doesn't know enough or have enough information to be able to fact check a, a Trumpian um, you know, staffer in real time, then at the very least, have a producer in the booth ready to do it on the cry on. Yeah, or at least do it in their ear, you know, tell yeah. them, you know, that's a lie, here's the answer. You know, it's like, you know, it happens like, you know, they're every weekend, whenever there's somebody from that administration on, I've never seen people lie uh, as, as, you know, without any care, ever. Like, not even in, like, 
car sales. Do you know you can go buy a car from somebody? To be more <laughs> honest, used car. I mean, it's just it's ridiculous that the the amount of lying coming from this administration. It's it's pathetic. And now they're firing inspector generals. I don't think that that's getting enough coverage. I don't think that you know why yeah. is Mike Pompeo not hounded by the press every minute of the day? Yeah, for sure. And and I mean, I think the story about Pompeo, the sketchy things that he was doing that made the uh, inspector general want to investigate him from the beginning. Like these are things that early on in the Trump administration, people were getting fired for. You right. Know, like Scott Pruitt, like yeah. buying tactical pants or whatever. Yeah. I mean, that was something that that caused him to resign. And it's like, I, I don't understand why Pompeo is getting a pass. I'm sure Scott Pruitt doesn't either. Um you know, I'm sure a lot of Trump people uh, who got who got screwed over and because of their expensive pants and commanding that the the Secret Service go get him a burger. Um, I'm sure a lot of people are are annoyed that Pompeo. Yeah, I mean, the first Health and Human Service Secretary who got fired because of charter flights. We had the VA mm-hmm. Secretary who got fired because he brought his wife with him to Europe. You know, meanwhile, this Pompeo's got his wife basically has an office in yeah. the State Department. Had an office at the CIA. His wife, she's got staff assigned to her. She is taking contact information and having it emailed to her private server, by the way. I mean, it is it is a nightmare, and there seems to be zero accountability for it. And, you know, the press just gets another shiny object. You know, Trump decides that he uh, wants to say Obamagate in a tweet, and everybody starts running for it. It's crazy. Or we end up with a conversation about how Trump doesn't want to wear a mask for six hours on cable news and you're like okay i get it like we want to talk about how he's not wearing a mask because he doesn't care for maybe an hour or two but there's legit news that's happening like let's have a snack conversation an hour or two it's like a three second conversation the guy's a jerk he doesn't want to wear a mask he's politicized something that his own cdc has said is preferable to help stop the spread and get us back to normal quicker but he doesn't want to do it because he's a I'm not allowed to say that word on the radio. I was about to say it, but I won't say it. Well, they, Plus, luckily, they did have the Michigan Attorney General on um, CNN, and then uh, just before we started, they um, they had her on MSNBC, and she just ripped him to shreds. Yeah, she said he's not I mean, welcome back. Beauty. Not welcome back in the state. Now, that's a little, that's nonsense. He's going to come back to the state whenever he wants, but it is... It is. At least I think they, they should have somebody there ready to find him. You know, they should issue him. Like they a should. They should for... issue him a ticket and order him to come to court <laughs> without, yeah. you know, come to court. Sorry, Mr. President. There's a fine here. I don't know if they have a fine associated with no mask wearing. And All right, Sarah, this goes by way too quick with you. You are awesome. Where can people find you? What do you want people to know? Uh, come follow me at at. Sarah Burris on the Twitters and you can find me on Facebook at Sarah K Burris. So facebook.com slash Sarah K Burris. And I try and make jokes and say as many silly things as I can just to get us through these hard times. Well, you're doing a great job with it. Sarah Burris at Raw Story. We love you. Thanks for coming on. All right. I'll be right back. All right. I hope you like those interviews. That Clay Aiken is, um, he, there's a lot more to Clay Aiken than people realize. And I've learned that over the years. I got to know him a little bit. I, I uh, He actually moderated the debate between Michael Knowles and myself in Nashville last year, Politicon. And uh, the first thing that I, I've said this before on this show, the first thing I noticed about him is how tall he is. He, I, Ruben Stutter must be like seven feet tall uh, because Clay Aiken is like 6'1". I mean, he's a, he's a tall guy. 
Uh, and, you know, you see him on American Idol standing next to Ruben and he just looks tiny. So it's a, uh, it was, I hope you enjoyed that interview. Uh, I'll probably have him back at some point, uh, maybe in a year, because I try not to, to mix things up too much. I, I try to mix things up as, as what I should say. I, although I have had Sarah Burris on a lot because Raw Story, um, you know, Raw Story covers the media. The media is crazy right now. It covers the media. It covers politics. It's a, a great source uh, for, you know, just breaking news that a lot of people don't catch. So um, especially things that are trending on Twitter and uh, other social media platforms, it's great to, to follow Sarah Burris and Raw Story. So check that out, too. But here we are. I mean, um, we're opening, ready or not, right? I think that's really what we should be saying. Ready or not, here we come. And I, for one, think that if we do indeed get that second wave in the fall, it's going to be impossible to, to close things up again. I there's just You're not going to get another bite at this apple. Which is why it, it, it is ludicrous to me that People are not taking social distancing and these measures seriously. And while we might be safer in the summer, we're not completely safe. And, you know, the summer's going to end, right? I mean, it's just started, right? Memorial Day weekend just just passed and we're now getting into that summer season, but it's going to end. And then we're going to be in the fall and people are going to start getting sick again and you know, some of these states like Alabama, uh, they say you might not have an I- ICU bed, bed if you need one. We're starting to see spikes in some of these southern states. So that theory that, you know, the heat's, you know, going to gonna deal with this virus, it just doesn't seem to be, be there. So I'm concerned, you should be concerned, and we should be observing social distancing and Really, I don't understand why more Republican leaders aren't supporting that, aren't out there pushing for it. Now, the president's a big baby. He'll never do it. He'll never say we should do it. He wants to divide us. It's the only way he could win. He wants to suppress the vote. He wants it to be appear like it's some liberal thing to wear a mask. Okay, but you know there are other Republicans in this country, and some of them have, like I said before in the show, are stepping up. But they should all be stepping up. I, they're just such a bunch of sheep. Drives me nuts. Absolutely drives me nuts. So, all I could say to you, America, is is keep pushing, keep fighting, do what you can to stay safe, and keep take care of your family, and get ready because. Things are going to start moving fast. Things are going to start opening up. And some people are going to forget that we even have this situation. And that's just not going to be good. So take care of yourself, America. And as always, I want to remind you to seek the truth. Question everyone and everything, America, even me, but especially that president. Especially people who are not taking social distancing seriously. Question everyone and everything, America, because the truth is out there. And I know you'll find it if you look hard enough for it. And I'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as I see it. I'm Chris Hahn. Thanks for listening to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast.